Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, let me, let me talk about talk. Here we go. Uh. I he said he living life as a gringo. Where you question, where you fit, and every time you mingle, they say you do this with not enough that. My rapping is really bad. <laughs> this life as a gringo. Yes, hello, and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course. And man, before I even get into today's topic, because we're going to continue our conversation on the four pillars of conscious living that I've been working on, I just want to say, I woke up feeling amazing today. And without getting into all the details, it's not because I've had some crazy thing happen in my life or some breakthrough as far as career goes or whatever. It's just like I've just gotten some weight off of my my chest, right? And anybody who's not going to therapy and you are just trying to figure shit out on your own, I would really, really just... I don't know, ask you to rethink that, right? And because no matter how smart you are, no matter how self-aware you are, sometimes you just need someone who is sort of a, someone who doesn't have like a vested interest, who is literally just going to give it to you straight up and and give you not only great advice, because I feel like more of a therapist is what they do is kind of lead you to, you know, the water. They don't make you drink it, so to speak. But What I'm trying to say is this. I had been kind of struggling with a personal situation, not really knowing what to do, and kind of felt like my pride was getting the best of me. And even though I was just feeling it, you know, I was going through the gamut of emotions and not in a great place mentally and really just trying to, you know, will my way to to getting through all of my normal everyday tasks these last couple of weeks. My therapist, you know, kind of led me down this great conversation and got to this point of talking about the idea of closure and putting your ego aside and and doing what it takes, having the hard, uncomfortable, awkward conversation or whatever it might be to get closure out of a situation. And the irony is that that situation didn't pan out exactly as I would have hoped or even just imagined as it, as I thought it was going to go. It probably the complete opposite of it, so to speak. But 
I left it all out there, right? And I challenged myself to say, what do I need to get closure out of this particular situation, right? If, if this is my only opportunity to kind of address it, what do I want to make sure I, I say? And I want to make sure I don't hold anything back. And I did that. And again, even though it didn't pan out as, as one would have hoped, I woke up today just feeling amazing. Like, I got that closure that I was looking for. I know that I did everything in my control to sort of steer the course of this particular situation. And there's nothing else I could do. I can't go back and change things in the past. But I laid everything out there and left myself open um, and put myself out there in a vulnerable way and know that if that didn't affect the outcome of, of this situation moving forward, then it's just not for me. And I'm being vague here. Um, you know, obviously, I'm I'm talking about a a sort of uh, I don't know potential romantic relationship. I guess I don't. I'm not gonna bullshit you guys. I I I feel like I've opened up enough here on the show. But but yeah, a, a situation that I I wasn't sure how I wanted it to go, and and it kind of had ended and. Uh, you know, without getting into the messy details, respecting people's privacy. Um, I had been just sort of second guessing some of my decisions within that and just wanted to kind of get some closure on the situation. So that's what I did. And that has nothing to do with the fuck we're talking about today. But I just feel like the clouds have sort of cleared and I feel really good and really just great about myself today. And Again, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be, you know, have arrived to like a healthier mindset about the whole situation had it not been for the fact that I have somebody that I, I talk to on a regular basis, a therapist who can kind of guide me through some of these these thoughts and emotions that I, I'm going through, right? So that's just my PSA. There's no, I'm not getting paid by any any of these therapy companies or anything like that. I just think it's it's important and I'm I'm getting value out of it. I know there's a lot of stigma that still exists, particularly in our community and, and even around men in general. Um, but for what it's worth, I've put myself out there talking to a stranger and I can honestly tell you in real time, it's really been helping me work through a lot of shit. Um, and I'm forever grateful that I've done that, that I've met my therapist, that I've found a therapist that I really like. Um, so I just kind of wanted to encourage anybody who might be going through something or um, you're on the fence about this whole therapy thing still. Trust me, it's uncomfortable, it's weird, but it works, it helps. Now with that said, changing gears pretty much completely here. Well, actually not really, because we're, we're talking about healing, right? And conscious living, in general, the concept we've been talking about, uh, I've been talking about on the podcast over the last few weeks, specifically we started last week with awareness, which is one of the four pillars, uh, including money, healing, community, and long-term vision. And Again, the idea of conscious living is is understanding the power in each decision you make and being present to it, right? And therapy goes into that. Um, you know, the idea of taking action to help yourself and understand that this is an investment yourself financially, time-wise, and also your trust, right? Um, and consciously taking that risk to give yourself the, the chance at a better life, right? Uh, a healthier, happier life. And that's what taking the leap of faith of the therapy is, right? But today we're talking about money healing. That's the the second pillar um, on the, the conscious living uh, you know, sort of ideology that we're talking about for the Just Be Social Club, um, 
and we're going to be launching the new um, the new one-on-ones uh, September. We'll be opening up that offer for anybody interested, and it's really going to be honing in on these four pillars. But today, money healing. When I was coming up with sort of, again, like these are things that specifically have changed my life, I can't get around money, right? I hate talking about money. I hate having to, you know, ever sort of charge anybody for anything. I hate having to negotiate. I just don't, money bothers me. I, I just think it, it dirties up so much. But with that said, it is a necessary tool in the world that we live in um, to not only sort of provide ourselves with the uh, human essentials, but also it is a tool and a part, not the whole thing, but a part of, of how we can achieve happiness and fulfillment, right? Because we do need money to, um, you know, sustain a, a particular lifestyle, right? Whatever that is for us. So a lot of people, myself included, carry around a lot of sort of money trauma. If you grew up poor, uh, then, you know, there's a, a lot of things you're, you're, you're dealing with with that. Um, or, you know, even if you, you know, were around parents who didn't uh, manage money well, didn't educate you on money, like there's just so many different things that go on. And I'll talk a bit about my own journey, my different struggles with money, because I've had them and I still continue to have them. And I have to work through them. But the idea of, of this is you, know, you can't be happy and fulfilled if you don't have a healthy relationship with money, right? Money is one of the leading causes of, of stress and anxiety, right? There's no way you could be happy-go-luckily if you're, you're constantly worrying about, you know, where your next meal is going to come from or, you know, how you're going to pay the rent, how you're going to keep your lights on, right? It, it's just tough to, to be in a constant state of happiness and fulfillment if you're having these nagging questions in the back of your mind, right? So we're going to talk about money healing, a bit of my journey with that. I also pulled up an article from Mint.com uh, that talks about financial trauma and how to deal with it. I thought that'd be a great kind of starting point for, for today's conversation to really just dive into the idea of financial trauma and, and money healing, which again is one of the four pillars of conscious living, uh, which we'll be really diving into a lot deeper and a lot more personally for anybody interested in, in joining the new um, the new course that we're going to be laying out there, a new meetup, one-on-one, whatever you want to word it as. Again, like my whole hope with this Just Be thing is to just be, uh, and that sounds redundant now, but my, my whole hope with this just be thing is to uh, really just try and impact as many people's lives as, as possible, specifically, you know, people of color, people from our community who, you know, uh, have not had this information or not have not seen voices that look like them, people that look like them, um, giving this information out, you know, readily. Um, and it's speaking a language that, that, that we kind of understand that speaks to us, you know, so that's the goal with, with just be the just be social club and everything. So uh, just be at NYC. You want to check out the site. We're updating a bunch of stuff, but uh, this is all going to be a huge part of it. The four pillars of conscious living. So without further ado, let's first just do like a deep dive into the idea of financial trauma. And uh, we'll do it in a segment called for the people in the back. Say it louder for the people in the back. All right, so this is from Mint, uh, livemint.com is the, the website. And this is an article written by Sharmila Badoria. And it's what is financial trauma, how to deal with it, know from experts, right? And in the article, they say, 
Whenever you borrow money or are burdened with expenses, it's not just your bank account that suffers. They also affect your mental health and emotional well-being. Financial hardships and losses can leave a long-lasting impact on the mind and cause trauma and stress. Financial trauma can be thought of in two ways. First, it can be thought of as any state of distress that is activated by a difficult relationship with money. Financial trauma also refers to the ways our trauma histories, separate of finances, display themselves through an unhealthy relationship with money, said Minachi, a faculty member of trauma of money, right? Now, they go on to say, quote, relationships people have with money and their patterns of spending tells a lot about their childhood and how much their needs were met at that time, explained Yitma Sharma, clinical psychologist and the co-founder of Orange Owl Percepts. In many cases, scarcity of money leads to anxiety and mental health issues that are termed financial trauma. I want to pause there for a second, right? Because I obviously a lot of what I've ever learned about our trauma and I've talked about it, I've regurgitated that information on the podcast. It's it's based around our own childhood experiences, right? Uh, the the good, the bad, what we did, didn't have, the way we interpreted things, whatever. So for many of us, if we grew up in a situation where money was a stressor for our parents, which I know that it was for me, and we'll, we'll kind of dive into that uh, in the, the Mijenta segment, you know, and sort of watching as it felt like we never had enough money, that definitely led to a a paranoia in my adult life that still exists, that I still work through, of feeling like I never am going to have enough or worried that it's going to be taken away or whenever a big expense comes up, I panic even if I have the money um, or I feel like, oh my God, I have the worst luck in the world the second I'm saving money, all of a sudden this big thing happens, right? And those are all trauma um, sort of loops and, and narratives that are a result of, of my own childhood experiences, you know? And then beyond that, I've also gone through periods of overspending, which if we talk about childhood stuff, you know, when I was a kid, it always felt like my friends had the cool gadgets, had the cool things, and they made it a point to sort of point out the fact that I didn't have those things, right? So when I did get a hold of of some money, my first inclination was to start collecting random shit that would impress people to a degree, right? Or not even consciously thinking about impressing people, but just, you know, wanting to have these things that represented some sort of status. And again, I'll, I'll dive a bit deeper into that in the Mijeta segment, but just to kind of give you some examples of what they're talking about here. And they go on to say, there are two to three ways of financial trauma. One is when you have money and the other is when you lose money. The inability to meet self-set targets of earning money also causes anxiety and trauma. People who are unemployed or underemployed are its biggest victims, said Bapai-based psychologist Dr. Kaloy Ray. Is it, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm butchering people's names here, but I'll leave the link in the show notes if you really want to look these people up. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting sort of distinction we were just kind of talking about in my own personal way how it shows up, but how there are these two to three different ways, you know, um, of of you know what happens when you have money and you lose money, uh, the ability to sort of obtain the amount that you feel like you need, um, you know, and, and 
yeah, these are all things that I know that I've I've definitely struggled with and tried to make sense of and tried to heal around. Um, and I imagine it's probably ringing true for for a lot of you listening right now. So moving on, kind of through the the article here, there's a, a couple more things I want to touch on as far as like you know diving deeper into this idea. They say the impacts of financial trauma, right? And they say one of the main impacts of financial trauma is inferiority complex. People face emotional hardships because they are unable to get a job or earn as per their expectations. Shame and avoidance are another result of financial trauma. People who lose their hard-earned money in business and in gambling often end up being in guilt and not being able to talk about it, said Dr. Chloe Ray. In such cases, people are inclined to alcoholism and drugs as well. The one that I really relate to on this, uh, not to make it all about me, but just to kind of share with you a bit, um, it's the inferiority complex, right? A lot of the things that I struggle with till this day is based upon an inferiority complex, right? I talk about, as a kid, my friends having the cool gadgets um, and and sort of me being looked down upon for not having those things. I think as a man, as a young man, a lot of times, it, you know, uh, women are attracted to status or money, right? Uh, and the cars and the job and, the person who had their own apartment or was living on their own, you know, uh, even if it meant having a roommate, but like, you know, just not living at home, right? And I was somebody who lived at home. Uh, you know, I moved out once and then I'm going back home, but whatever. I, I was, I basically didn't really leave my parents' house for good until my late 20s, right? I just financially wasn't able to do it. And a lot of, I think, my, bad decisions around money or obsession with it stem from feeling inferior to a lot of the people around me and sort of seeing money as the tool to get me the attention that I wanted. Money and success. Um, and I think sort of fame or notoriety part is a part of that as well for me. Uh, but I think at the center of that is, is money, right? Is this sort of uh, idea of, I need it in order to feel good about myself and get the sort of attention from others that I'm looking for, right? So that is is definitely something that I relate to. Now they they go on to to talk about how trauma can also lead to anxiety um, and panic attacks, right? One such example was of a young boy who wanted to pursue his music career but could not because of his father's business during the COVID pandemic. He ultimately gave up on his dreams to support his family. Slowly, his financial hardships started affecting his relationship with friends and partner, uh, recalled the, the doctor. Um, and I mean, that's a very, uh, you know, kind of light a example. They, you know, they, but it is, you know, I don't even, light is the right word. I think I could have probably found a more, one that would have driven the point home a bit more. But yeah. It does affect your relationship with those around you, right? If you're unhappy, you're stressed, you're anxious, how the fuck are you supposed to have a healthy relationship with anybody else if the one with yourself is so toxic, right? They say financial trauma also impacts our mind and body and affects our pattern of spending money. When our bodies go through roller coaster loops of emotion, 
without being able to ground and settle, it's an indication that trauma is present, said Mediachi, who has experience in helping individuals with ancestral money trauma, right? Um, so they give a bunch of little examples like this, and I'm not going to read every single, every single one here. But I think, I know for me, at times when I felt down, right, I can then be like, oh, I'm just going to go like on a shopping spree and make myself feel better, right? Um, and, and buy all these little things to kind of fill the void in the moment. And then only to like have it come full circle when that high is worn off that I'm so mad at myself that I like wasted money on X, Y, and Z when I really have been wanting to save, right? Those are loops I've, I've felt within, within myself, right? And again, like that's a terrible cycle because if I'm trying to get to a particular goal in my life and I need to, um, you know, whatever it is, I want to buy a house. I just want to be financially stable. I want to work for myself. All of that requires me to have, you know, some sort of money put away, have some sort of consistent income, whatever it might be. And me then just sort of using money and, and frivolous sort of shopping as a means to cure whatever, you know, sadness or depression I'm going through it ends up in the long run taking me further away from my long-term vision, right? And it's like that short-term thinking that we end up falling victim to a lot of times um, that just is not in line with the life that we actually want for ourselves. And, and again, that doesn't just exist with money, but money is a huge part of our lives and we have to kind of be able to talk about it and attack it head on. Um, now, the, the last thing that they talk about here is how much do we talk about financial trauma? They say given... Its extent of its importance given to mental health issues, in, uh, and this is specifically was written in India, um, but it obviously rings true everywhere. Healing and even acknowledging financial trauma seems a distant call. At times, people are not even able to identify they're facing financial trauma because of money in their daily lives. In many cases, people come to us and talk about what's causing their mental stress and emotional hardship. It is only after listening to them that we can figure out the link between money and their trauma. So, I find this to be interesting because I think a lot of us are walking around with trauma or unhappy, whatever it might be. And we're never completely aware of like the fact that money can be having such a big impact on it. Right. We're never ready to have that conversation, you know, because money is this sort of thing that we're not supposed to speak about. You don't talk about how much you make. You don't let other people know you're having trouble. Right. Um, we're we're pr too proud to ask for help and things like that. Right. Money is like this sort of Thing that we don't speak about you know um and as i kind of even started the podcast today on the importance of a therapist it's like if you don't speak about these things if you don't tackle them head on if you don't make an attempt to really try and figure them out and, and get a better understanding of them and get clarity they're just going to to keep being things that hold you back from being the version of yourself that you really want to be right and i think that that's um you know, obviously evident in even just physically, like, or mentally, the way these things can bring up, you know, uh, terrible feelings within you causing anxiety or depression or things like that. Um, and then even externally, them causing you to sort of live a life that you don't really feel great about, right, that you're not happy about, that doesn't feel fulfilled. Um, and I think that's, you know, all of the conversation we're, we're trying to have uh, with this just be social club is like really identifying how do we 
create a focused mind that gives us the best best path towards truly being happy and fulfilled, right? And that's the whole purpose of the four pillars and conscious living in general and, you know, making decisions um, very intentionally, um, you know, is, is the, the, the goal to get us to a place of happiness and fulfillment and money healing needs to be a part of that because um, so many of us are carrying around a lot of trauma unnecessarily. And with that said, um, I want to talk a bit about my own relationship with money and kind of why this is one of the things that I felt like needed to be included in um, the Just Be Social Club and is a, a mainstay of the idea of conscious living um, because of the impact it's had on my life. So I want to be able to tackle that. We'll talk about it in our Mijente segment, but first let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna be very open and honest and vulnerable here in regards to money, and this is hugely important when it comes to money healing, and I'm. Uh, I don't want to see any one thing is more important when it comes to the four pillars 
But I know that for me personally, money has been such a hindrance to my happiness for a very long time, right? And it fed into so many of my feelings of of inferiority and my lack of validation and my search for validation, right? And yeah, money has been one of the toughest things that I've really tried to to overcome. And uh you know it's uh it's it's interesting because I I love business and I pride myself on it and you know, it's it's been like a really rocky tough road to getting to a place where I've, you know, sort of been able to figure out any sort of the financial aspect of it, right? And I just think in general, money and everything that comes along with it, you know, credit and and all these different things, finances, um, was just such like a thing that made me feel so fucking small, right? In, in in so many ways and I think for such a long time. And uh yeah, I, I think, you know, as we they mentioned the article I referenced earlier about childhood and, and I talk so much about how a lot of shit comes from your childhood. Um, you know, it starts there, right? And I wanna say first and foremost, I never was a kid who like had to worry where his next meal was coming from or didn't have, you know, clean clothes to wear or or any of those types of things, right? But my parents as 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 great of a job as they did to make sure we had those basic needs met even during the hard times. My parents had a lot of financial hardships, you know, and my parents grew up, you know, or I grew up with them living check to check. And money was always a source of of an argument for them, right? Um, you know, we had to hide bills and things like that from my father, and um, you know, to avoid a fight and argument. And you know, there were so many times that I would come home and the power got cut off because the bill wasn't paid, or that our cable got cut and we didn't have cable for like a good decade. Um, because my my uh, my parents never paid the bill, and I, I guess like weren't able to get the cable reconnected. If they had to pay it first, you know, like, like stupid shit like that, and credit card debt. Um, and you know, again, my parents did a great job of sort of putting up the facade that we were okay. And um. I think within that, it's spending money they didn't have that they shouldn't have been spending, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of me in adulthood was trying to figure out the things that they hadn't, right? But then also at the same time, sort of just like reliving the same fucking experiences, you know? My parents had a horrible credit and it would be like this big ordeal when they had to get a car. I ended up having horrible credit um, from like my first credit card and not paying it. and I didn't know how to fix it. Nobody really knew anything about credit scores, you know, around me. And I would watch as my friends got their first car. You know, they would graduate college and then, um, 
you know, get the, the Lexus and would have their own apartment and I'm still living at home, uh, you know, and I can remember being on like vacations with my friends or going away and like, uh, I would be like running out of money and I'd pretend, have to pretend like, oh, I just didn't want to do something, but really I was because I couldn't afford it or we were trying to get a rental car and it was under my name and my credit card had like a $150 limit and I couldn't get the fucking rental card. It was so embarrassing. Um, you know, just a lot of little things. And again, my experiences aren't as, as extreme as others, but I'm just trying to give you a, a concept into like what shaped a lot of my limiting beliefs around myself, right? Because I always felt like to a degree, the loser friend who needed an extra helping hand, right? Who everybody had to kind of look out for. Um, or lend money to. And of course, when you're around that age, you know, uh, in your 20s or late teens or whatever it is, like everything for me as a, as a straight male, like was about women and trying to get their attention and always sort of down talking myself of like, oh, this girl is out of my league. She wouldn't be interested in me because I, I don't drive a cool car. Um, and then as a DJ and everybody's flashy and it seems like everybody's making all this money and they're successful and they're driving the Mercedes and the BMWs and all these things. And I think I was driving my Scion TC that like was just in really rough shape, uh, and feeling embarrassed when I did get a girl's attention to have her come in my car or to tell her that I lived at home with my parents and. Yeah, it just made me feel lesser than. And then, like, I can even remember I had gotten this this one girl's number. Um, you know, she's, like, a really uh, attractive girl. And at that time, that was, like, the last straw because it was, like, I was hanging around a bunch of people who were being flashy, again, with the nice cars and all these things. And I was tired of, like, being the the outlier who was kind of this disappointment, right? So around that time, I ended up, like... Um, using whatever I basically had in savings that at that time, like, and this is like the cycle again, at that time I had just gotten into radio. I wasn't making a lot of money. I was making $15 an hour, but between that and DJing and the fact that I lived at home, I was able to save a couple grand or whatever, right? Which at the time felt wild to me. And rather than build upon that and, and try and sort of, um, you know, get myself out of my hole that I was in, cause I was in credit card debt, I think too, at that time I decided I'm going to blow that little money I have in savings and buy uh, a BMW, like a used BMW that, um, you know, like was older, but it looked nice. You know, anybody who wasn't really aware of, of BMWs, it was still impressive. Right. And, um, and I remember like that girl whose number I got, like I didn't even like text her to hang out um, until after I ended up getting the car. Like that was like the final straw. And it was like, you know, weeks long process, like weeks and weeks and weeks. Cause of, uh, you know, my credit was so bad and everything like that. Um, and going back and forth and, and just trying to raise a couple extra bucks. Uh, and, you know, obviously I never ended up hanging out with that girl. Um, and I ended up with this BMW that turned out to be a fucking lemon. And that, like, I was just constantly throwing money into it. Couldn't drive it half the time because it was, like, down for repairs and things like that. Um, you know, so... Again, I guess I bring up that story to just showcase like 
a cycle of like, oh, I'm saving money. Oh, okay, now I have money. Let me go buy the shiny thing to impress everybody to make myself feel bigger, right? And that was a cycle I struggled with for a very long time. Um, and I still have to watch myself on, right? You know, but I lived broke for a very long time. Particularly, like, listen, if you're chasing a dream and you're going after something out of the ordinary, like, I couldn't have a job that was a regular nine to five because I was always running around and trying to make something happen. So I had to have these sort of jobs that allowed me to be a bit more flexible. But of course, they paid shitty or they weren't consistent hours, whatever it was, right? And, you know, again, as I'm watching everybody else sort of start their adult lives and move into adulthood and do all these these impressive things that were taught, you know, is sort of this next status symbol. I'm just sitting here, you know, scared that my checking my bank card is going to decline on buying a couple beers at the bar, right? Um, or that um you know man i can remember one time i was getting gas and i remember i was going away that weekend to visit my cousin in upstate new york and uh i was like i used to budget everything not because i was good at budgeting but because i was so broke that i needed to be able to budget everything right so i like calculated um you know how much i was going to end up spending that weekend going to hang out up there and things like that and I was stopping to get gas, um, you know, like the day before I left or something like that. And I think I told the guy like, you know, 20 bucks, whatever. He ended up filling it up. And I like lost my shit on the gas station attendant. Um, you know, I think I even called the cops because I was like, this guy would try to rip me off. Um, and it was, it was like the difference of like, you know, it probably cost me 45 bucks to fill up my tank and I asked for 20. So we're talking about $25. But that $25 felt like so much to me at that time and it threw off my budgeting for like the rest of that trip, right? And, um, and yeah, I don't, I, I think back to those times and it was like how much stress used to happen just as a result of things related to money. I mean, also like the fucking BMW, it had rims on it. And of course, like there were barely any tread because they were larger rims than they, than they should have been. Um, and driving to New York from my parents' house almost every day, I would hit a fucking pothole on a regular basis. I would crack a rim. I would get a flat tire. And it was like this constant thing, this constant panic of how am I going to pay for this thing now? Or I would drive around with paranoia because I knew that this car wasn't reliable. And I was always scared of, the next time it was going to break down on me and the next, you know, thousand bucks is always at least a thousand dollars I was going to have to dump into this car, right? And I bring up that story because my long-term vision for myself was to be successful, was to be financially stable. You know, I wanted all those things. I wanted to have money put away. I wanted to get my own apartment. I wanted to do all those things. But here I was making a short-term decision, buying this car that I couldn't really afford just because I wanted the short-term validation that came along with people thinking I was successful, with women being impressed when I picked them up and it was a BMW, right? And in retrospect, none of those people that I was trying to impress really mattered at all. I don't even think I speak to probably any of them, right? And if I speak to any of it's in passing, right? Any of those people that I was trying to impress 
But it was because I felt so shitty about myself. I was trying to use money to make up for that. And in doing so, I was taking myself further and further away from where I actually wanted to be, from what actually would make me fulfilled and happy. So, that's why this is so important, this conversation. And then obviously, like beyond that, and I've talked about this a bunch of times, so I'm not going to like beat a dead horse, but when I eventually did get my credit fixed and I did in a few months just turn my life around into getting really hardcore about saving so I could buy my property and, and make sure that I didn't give in to wanting to buy a house that was um, going to impress people, but instead bought me a property that was an investment that would be making me money, right? Making those decisions for my longer term, my long, uh, you know, my, my long term vision, right? As opposed to short term, what would impress my friends, right? Um, you know, all of those those sort of decisions um, that were smarter, right? I now look back on it, I'm so grateful for, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not have come to terms to a degree with money and knowing that it's a tool and that it doesn't actually, it shouldn't be the thing or the things that it buys or that it gives me. I can't rely on them to make me love myself or to make me think that I'm worthy of other people's love, right? And that's a part of money healing as well. Um, and again, I still have to check myself. I still have those habits. I still um, and when I'm down about something or um, I'm like, you know, wanting to get somebody's attention. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go buy like this fresh ass outfit and go stun on somebody. Right. Um, you know, or or uh, or if I'm, you know, going to be having people over or I'm going to be. Um, driving somewhere i'm like man all my friends all these people i'm like hanging out with are like rich people who drive these fancy cars and like you know i have a nice jeep but it's not like a you know anything that's like gonna impress anybody i have to like check myself to be like but who the fuck cares like that doesn't matter and if any if they care that much it's not really people i should be around right but these are narratives i keep having to have conversations with myself um just to to stay on that right path of of thinking in terms of where do i want to be you know what person do i want to be right and then even again, spending stuff like, um, you know, checking myself on like, why are you eating out every night and paying, you know, $30 for Uber to deliver a Chipotle burrito that costs $11? Like, that, you, that doesn't make sense, right? Either you can make sure you have food in the house and go grocery shopping to make sure you don't do that, or you stop being lazy and just drive yourself over there to save the 20 bucks or whatever it is that you're spending in tip delivery fees and and everything else tax whatever the fuck it is so these are all kind of silly things but it adds up because then i would feel guilty and then i would see it hit my credit card and then like i would just feel shame around the fact that i have i'm spending all this money on grubhub or uber eats or whatever and it's like that that's not you know of course those aren't like inherently bad things, but my abuse of them wasn't in line with what I was actually trying to do, right? I want to buy another property. I want to hit a certain financial goal, uh, you know, um, by the end of the year. Neither one of those things are happening if I'm being reckless about how I spend my money. If I'm choosing to, uh, you know, constantly go out and, and, you know, take the weekends off instead of working a little bit extra, right? Like, 
I have to have those real conversations with myself and, and do the, the healing that's necessary to like have a better relationship with money and my accumulation of it, my saving of it and, and my spending of it. Right. And again, it's healing those older parts of me that from a kid um, that, you know, grew up with a lot of stress related to money um, and not allowing that to not dictate how I live in, a, you know, uh, my life as an adult and the relationship that I have with money as an adult, if that makes sense. So I just kind of want to give you a bit of insight into like my own journey with healing with money and the ongoing work that that I continue to to do with it and how it's also played an incredible role. The healing has played an incredible role in changing my life around, you know, um, and in my own confidence and my own happiness and fulfillment and the life that I get to lead now, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to work for myself had I not have developed a better relationship with money where I know more about budgeting and saving and things like that, right? Um, and had I not have set goals financially, like, okay, I'm going to quit my, my nine to five once I reach X amount of money saved up so I know I have a runway, right? Having that conversation with myself and then being disciplined to actually go out and do it um, and not fall victim to the narratives running through my head about, you know, um, the little momentary joy a materialistic thing may bring me. So again, just topics to kind of, so you can begin to have the conversation with yourself around this, right? And identify maybe some of the financial trauma that you might be carrying around. And again, that's the money healing aspect of the, the four pillars of conscious living that we're talking about. Now, with that said, uh, we're going to tie everything we talked about today in a neat little bow. And we'll do it in a segment we call Conclusions Do. But first, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the gangster chronicles 
podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. All right, so we've gotten really deep into this whole conversation around money healing. Um, yeah, I don't. It, it got a little dark for a second in talking about my relationship with money, but I think it just it just goes to show you, you know, the sort of profound effect that money can have on us in a negative way if we're not really conscious about our relationship with it, right? And that's that's why these conversations are so incredibly important. Like it's a real term, a clinical term. Financial trauma is a real thing, as we heard in that article, um, which I'll put in the show notes, a link to it. But from real doctors who study these things, you know that this is an actual type of trauma. A lot of it based around the way we grew up and our parents' relationship with money, about how we experienced it, and you know our lack of um, at times, and, and how that sort of replays in our adult life into you know our our current relationship with it and again like you know i don't think money is inherently evil i i think that our relationship to it and what we've been taught could potentially be evil right our overvalue of it and um, viewing it as anything but a tool right that if we view it as the destination as the win as the gain um then we're really doing a disservice to ourselves and our overall happiness and i think um, the overall good of the world but when we recognize it as the tool that it is right again because it's it's a tool it's a necessary tool it is a part of the sort of happiness equation but again it's not the end-all be-all and that's what the sort of goal of money healing is to to get us to that place where we are you know able to consciously uh, be able to see it like that and not have a negative connotation or a um you know, or over obsession with with money itself, right? Really having a healthier relationship with it, and um, and what it does for us here in the in the real world, you know. Now, with that said, uh, this is the second part of of this sort of four pillars uh, to conscious living focus that I'm doing on the podcast this month. Um, so again, every Tuesday episode, we will be tackling one of the four pillars. Last week was awareness. This week was money healing. Next week will be community. And the one after that will be a long-term vision. So just trying to, to provide these, man, these things that have changed my life so deeply. And obviously, like, there's only but so much I can put in a podcast. It's different than you or I having a one-on-one conversation and really just tackling your own specific story to it, you know, which is what we're hoping to do with the the next iteration of the Just Be Social Club, which will be uh, launching in September, you know, is is really have a bit more of a, a close dialogue focusing on these different topics that we're talking about. So um, follow at justbe.nyc on Instagram 
um, or at DJ Dramos on Instagram, uh, and I'll be posting updates and things like that when we do open up the offer for anybody interested in, in joining the next iteration. But, you know, this is, is life-changing stuff. I, I don't say that as like a fucking sales tactic. Like, genuinely, I'm giving you the things that have changed my life or the things that I've adapted or, you know, think about on a regular basis that have led me to being happier than I've ever been. And of course, I'm still on my own journey, just like everybody else is, just like we all will be till the day we die. But these are the things that have changed my life around drastically that have really just put me on this incredible path where the good moments far you know, outweigh the, the bad ones, which is not something I could have said for, for a long time in, in various points in my life. So for me, this has been life-changing stuff, and I'm hoping that it can have the same effect on anybody listening. But that's it. Again, Four Pillars of Conscious Living. We're tackling it every Tuesday for this month. And uh, I'll catch you all on Thursday for our Thursday Trends episode. A lot to talk about there, so we'll get into it. So then, though, stay safe. and We'll talk soon. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is... To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.